This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience, which we are all about here on The Treatment Room. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon or spa in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to glossgenius.com slash sign up and enter code TTRSPRING or check the show notes for details. Now let's get back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Treatment Room X Good Skin Circle, I should say. This is a joint podcast, a group effort, a collaboration, if you will, with the one and only Ashley Curtis, aka Ageless Ashley. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you again, Tess. I'm so excited for our topic today and just to chat with you again and get to do this again with you. Yes, me too. What are you sipping on, by the way? I am sipping on the Perrier pink grapefruit. Yum. Have you had these, the sparkling flavored carbonated mineral water? They're so good. (gasps) Yum. That looks delicious. I hadn't tried this drink before, but I know it's really popular. The poppy. I love those. Prebiotic soda. They're so good. Oh my gosh. I like the, there's one, it's like guava something. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Oh, you had me at guava. (laughs) It's like guava and then whoever, who cares about the rest of it? Cause that's (laughs) totally. Yes. I feel like a sparkling beverage is like necessary for podcasting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're all comfortable and hydrated, but in today's episode, Ashley and I actually wanted to talk about getting a little uncomfortable yourself in your career and talk about the subject of grit. Ash, what does grit mean to you? So when I think of the word grit, I think working hard, of course. I kind of think of the word hustle, but I don't like to encourage hustle mindset. I feel like that was when I first started in the industry, it was very much all about hustle, 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 work as much as you can get as many clients as you can. And I think the industry is changing. I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that you can have a very prosperous career as an esthetician and you don't have to like work yourself to the bone to do it. Yeah. Uh, So I think of grit as paving your own way, as doing the hard stuff now Mm -hmm. so that you can do the easier stuff later. And I think 
sometimes with this new mentality of more ease and more flexibility and more freedom, yes, like you'll get there, but I feel like it does take a certain level of grit to get to those points and to Mm -hmm. those higher, those, those moments in your career where you do have more freedom, where you do have flexibility. Like we were just chatting right before we hit record today. You're like, you know, I'm going on a trip tomorrow and it's so random. I, two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do this because I was so wrapped up in the treatment room and I was seeing so many clients a day. Now I have more freedom and flexibility in my life. So it makes more sense for me to take spontaneous trips and, and I'm out of my comfort zone doing it because I got into sort of like that gritty mindset of like, okay, let's do what it takes right now to have more freedom and flexibility later. And then now it's hard to shift into the freedom and flexibility. So it's interesting. I'm interested because I know you've been in this industry for years. Has it been 15 years Uh, It has actually been a little bit over 16 years now. Okay. Okay. So you've, you've been in the game for a while. You've seen the industry change and morph. You've worked different places. I feel like if somebody's looking at, you know, all you're doing now, it may look very glamorous and easy, but could you tell us a little bit about your journey when you started? What was it like working for other people? Did you know one day you wanted to work for yourself? And did you just think like, this is the mindset I have to have. I have to have this gritty mindset to eventually have more flexibility and do my own thing. Yeah. It's interesting because I was actually just talking to someone else about this, like the beginning of my journey. And before I opened this business that I have now evolved skin and wellness, um, I, was working for a lot of different companies. I was working for, uh, when I lived in San Francisco, when I lived up there, I was working for a boutique wax bar and I was helping her manage all of her locations and it was difficult. And I got to see a lot of the behind the scenes doing that. Um, you know, she had three locations and then she opened up a fourth location. And so I was helping her kind of get the fourth location up off the ground and, I think that's when I realized I wasn't enjoying doing it, but because it wasn't my own, you know, like I wasn't Mm -hmm. enjoying that whole process of like the growth part of the business because I felt like I was, you know, I'm helping someone build their brand and I was like underappreciated at the same time. So it's, you know, I got to see that part of it Mm -hmm. where I think now that's how I run my business is I I do put a lot of effort and um, time and energy into making sure that my team feels appreciated into making sure that they feel like they're growing, that they're on a trajectory of growth, that they're, you know, that they're, they're like seen and, you know, just, I guess, yeah, just appreciated. And I think that that was a big part of it. Opening my own space is I wanted that I wanted to create a culture for people to feel like they could grow in our industry because I just worked for so many places that I didn't feel that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this is what I want to create. It's, it's the same thing with products. You know, we want to try to find a product that's missing in the market. It was the same Mm -hmm. thing for me. I want to create an environment I felt like was missing in the market. Was there anything in specific that made you feel underappreciated? I think it was a combination of not being paid enough, 
course. Um, and, and also I'll take accountability with that. I didn't ask for raises because I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And then, you know, and then it, when you don't ask for what you want, you'll never get it. So I really, I really believe in asking for what you want. That is what, I mean, I, I tell people that all the time. It's like, you have to ask, if you're working for other people, there has to be very, very like clearly defined mm-hmm. expectations in place. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that, that the money part was big, but also the presence, like the owner of the place, she was just really never around or mm-hmm. she never was talking to us even like it was yeah. like we were talking to someone else that was talking to her. And so it was very little communication, very, very little. And it was not open at all. Like it was, that's something that I talk about with my girls all the time. Always every week we're talking about it every week. I'm telling them, please come to me. What can I do for you? How can I make this easier for you? If there's anything you need from me, you know, I feel like that part is really important as an employer. Yeah. I feel like that, that just comes through in all you do. And I mean, your employees are on social media. They're, they're talking about you all the time, but that seems very, very clear that you give them guidance, flexibility, support and nurturing, which is so important. I felt a little bit similar on my esthetician journey. The first place I worked in, it's funny because we talk about the, the scarcity mindset a lot, but it was kind of a classic situation of one treatment room. I think eight estheticians sharing that space. Yes. And no, no direct boss who was an esthetician themselves. So I was really missing that, that, uh, level of personalization that you, you kind of need, especially working in your first treatment room. I feel like that's looking back on my journey. And I was thinking about this podcast and the conversation of grit and like what, the hardest part for me has been on this journey. And I think it is that, that transition out of school into your first workplace where you, you just don't know what you don't know. And you, you need somebody to tell you these little things of, you know, the sheets need to be taught and home care needs to be very closely prescribed and you need to be with the client, you need to be present. I mean, just things we don't learn in school. So I, I agree having, having somebody who takes an interest in you, that's just so key. Leading by example is so important when you are showing the other people in your business that you're a hard worker, that you still have the grit, that you're really taking care of business. You're not just kind of like hanging out, you know, I think that's a a really big part of grit. And that's a really big part of sustaining and, and showing, you know, your team, if you have a team that it's still a lot of work, you know, it's not like, Mm you take yourself out of the treatment room and then life is so easy and you get to be retired. Like it's very <laughs> not like that at all. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. And I mean, that brings up a good conversation of going outside the treatment room. I know you mentioned you feel like there's other opportunities available to estheticians. What oh, do you yeah. think? If somebody's like in that boat right now where they're just feeling like oh my gosh. facials aren't it for me anymore, 
There's so many options. I think, you know, you could be a brand ambassador for a bigger skincare company. You could be a sales rep for a skincare company. If you like sales, that's a great job. I feel like there needs to be more sales reps that know what they're talking about. Like, I I mean, I've I've been in communication with lots of sales reps throughout my career, and some of them are really excellent and they're not estheticians, but most of Mm -hmm. them who are not estheticians don't have the kind of knowledge that we have. So I feel like that's a great career path. If you're money motivated, if you like that sort of, if you like like that faster pace and you want like a salary or more of like a job security, I think that's a good way to go. And then the educator, I think being an educator for a brand is great also. And then with social media, I always tell people Mm -hmm. this, but it's like social media has given us so many opportunities in terms of what we can do. I mean, you can be a like brand ambassador for five or six different brands that you like and just post Mm -hmm. about them and make commission off of every time someone buys with your link, you know, totally. I mean, that, that alone is changing the game. Like even having my Glymed store just really supported me through the pandemic and has allowed me more freedom. So the opportunity with social media is just truly abundant. If you can get comfortable with it, you know, finding a platform that you feel like you can be yourself on, you can be authentic on, even if you don't love showing up on camera, you know, there are podcasts, there are other ways to go about it. Yeah, totally. Josh and I were just talking about this. It's like there, you know, there is other, there's someone that he followed that he recommended called um, her handle is science becomes her, but she just does charts, you know, and you see other estheticians doing educational (laughs) charts and content. And some of them are very good, like very thoughtful, very well set out and very engaging. Like it doesn't, you don't have to show your face. Although I will say showing your face is a really easy, Mm -hmm. quick way to connect and get people to know, like, and trust you. So if you can True. get over that fear, then, then do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm interested for you since you are, you know, a known face out there on social media. So were you, are always, you? <laughs> uh, were you always, did you like that camera facing type of thing? Oh no. Mm -mm. (laughs) At first it was so awkward for me. It was when I moved to LA that I started getting on camera and my boss at the time was very camera. I mean, we, we did like a bunch of, you know, the real houses of Beverly Hills. And so I felt like it was just part of his brand to be on camera. That was, he knew that that's like the way that it worked. And that was like the easiest way to connect with people. And so that he kind of Uh pushed me out of my comfort zone in that way. And it was very awkward for me at first, even if I, if I were to look back, I mean, I probably still have highlights. If you guys want to go look back (laughs) like a couple of years ago of when I first started and I'm just like so cringe like, like <laughs> I'm sure you were the cutest I feel the same way unfortunately I have a whole YouTube channel documenting <laughs> my first yeah so what's that journey been like for you Tess like YouTube oh, that's gosh. even more like how was that when you started that were you just like comfortable from it from the get-go Hell no. Anyone who knows me knows that is literally the most random thing ever. I am the biggest introvert. I mean, 
it, it's sad to say, but even things like the Vegas show, I'd love to go to, but being around a lot of people makes me really nervous. Um, talking on a public platform scares me to death. I dropped out of public speaking my, my first day um, that I had that class in college. It's just always been really, really hard for me. So to start a YouTube channel, I mean, in a sense, it was cool because I had that layer of protection. You feel kind of anonymous. And I mean, I was just filming videos like in my room talking about skincare. You don't feel like anyone's really, really watching. <laughs> and I mean, nobody was watching for a while. Like I remember trying to get to 30 subscribers. I think that's a great, I just, sorry, I don't want to interrupt yeah, you, but I ahead. feel like if I don't, then we'll forget. Cause okay. I think that's actually like a great time to start is when you don't have a lot of followers because uh-huh. like uh-huh. we're talking about, it is that's a great time to practice. It's the same idea as not starting a business right after school. You know, you want right. that practice so that right. when you have the bigger following, you know, first of all, you're not going to get it unless you do it. And then, and then once you get there, it's, I feel like people just think that one day they're going to wake up, they're going to have a million followers and then, then mm-hmm. they'll be ready to get on camera, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, you have to build up to that. And it's a great time when you don't have a lot of people watching for you to kind of get your feet wet doing it, you know? Thank gosh, because I was just talking about Glossier <laughs> basically. And, you know, it's, things I enjoyed from a customer experience point of view, but I totally agree. And that's always been, I'd say like one of my main messages is you don't have to wait to feel like you're ready. You don't have to wait to feel like, you know, everything. I mean, I knew nothing. (laughs) It was just documenting the journey. And I, I, I actually started out on YouTube talking about makeup, a little bit of skincare, then decided I wanted to pursue esthetician school. And I would kind of just bring my camera along to school, do these little vlogs. That's amazing. So smart. It kind of was, it really put me in a good position that I'm in now, but yeah, I was just documenting the journey. I couldn't find anything. I would search on YouTube esthetician school because I wanted to know what does that actually look like? Because I had come from this, you know, corporate environment, a different career. I didn't, I knew nothing. So I wanted to see, and I couldn't find that much. So I started to just document, you know, going to school. And that's when things started to pick up because it was so niche. So I would tell people to look for those white spaces instead of, I mean, this is cliche, but instead of doing what everyone's doing, look for those white spaces and and where you can be different. I think, you know, we hear that, but do we take it in as much as we should? Um, It's a big, it's a big, big part of it. And I think that's again, where grit comes in and where paving your own path comes in, because like we were talking about, when we started talking about doing this podcast, it's like, I just feel like people want the blueprint. They want the recipe and like we could give it to them, but I almost don't even feel good giving that to someone because I, first of all, I know it's not going to work for everyone. It might work similarly, but only if you make it into your own. And so I think Mm -hmm. 
and you're going to have to do the legwork anyway. Like there's just no, unfortunately having grit means there's just no, like getting to be in a successful place in your career means that you're going to at some point have to put grit somewhere in there. And it doesn't, it might not be the same place that I had to work hard. It might not be the same place you had to work hard because some people are just Mm -hmm. naturally better at things, but and worse at things. And so you might naturally be good at a different way to do it. And you have to, you really have Mm -hmm. to find your own way. Really just can't say that enough. I, I have mentees who come to me because they want the recipe for a virtual consultation business. And I'll, I'll lay out, you know, every step I went through, it's like what we said about, you can duplicate the recipe, but the sauce won't stay the same, taste the same. Yep. It's, it's unfortunate because I think that grit, that momentum, that, that just determination, that, that knowing in yourself, this is what grit means to me that you're willing to put in the hard work. And even though, you know, and you have some fear about what could go wrong, the drive that sees you through to the other side, that is grit. And I had, I, nobody gave me a formula for virtual consultations. I, I didn't know for sure. This is like something that but you made it your own, you know, and yes. that's where it became special. That's why it became what it is right now is yeah. because you truly customize the entire experience. It is totally. your own. And I feel like that is that's the recipe, make it your own, Mm -hmm. have the grit enough to keep going when no one's watching the first Mm -hmm. day you get on your stories live, whatever, you're going to have three people watching your first live. Maybe, maybe not (laughs) even three people. Like, I mean, I remember those lives, like where it was just not very many people at all. Even still, sometimes I get on and it's a wrong time of day, but you have to just, you have to still clearly just see your vision out there and like, believe in it enough that you're like, okay, today I don't have, maybe I have three people watching today, but in uh, six months, if I do this every day, I'm going to have 300 people watching, or I might have a thousand people watching. And you just have to keep that vision in mind. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the difference between feeling uncomfortable and um, say, say, take Instagram, feeling uncomfortable and pushing through because you have a goal in mind versus kind of that knowing when you know, maybe something isn't your best platform or it's just not right for you. Maybe the job that you are in is uncomfortable and it just may not be right for you. How does somebody distinguish between like pushing through when this it's, is, this is right such a good question, Tessa. This is, I hope I'm making good, sense. Yeah. It, this is such a good question. I know what you mean. And I feel like this is a great question to ask while we're talking about this p- topic, especially because we want to get away from the hustle mindset. You don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to not listen to your intuition. If your intuition is telling you that you're in a bad situation or you're in a situation that might just not be the right fit for you. I think you just have to really know how to listen to that voice within. Um, and it's hard. It takes practice. It, I think the thing that helps me listen to it is acting on it. So when I feel, uh, intuitive hits, 
communicating clearly to the people around me what I'm feeling, um, even if it's hurtful, even if it's messy, even if it's not maybe what someone wants to hear at the time, I think it's a good good way to practice following your intuition so that, um, when the bigger things, these big decisions, like you're talking about, should I stay or should I go when these come up, then you're, you're a little more dialed in, right? Like you're a little more, you have that practice, that momentum of listening and you, you can know whether or not you're just avoiding fear or Mm -hmm. if you're, uh, if you're truly in a situation that doesn't feel right, that feels kind of icky. And now that I answered, I really want to hear your answer on this too. Okay. So yeah, for me, I used to really struggle with confidence. That was always a thing throughout my whole life. And even when I would go to the grocery store with my mom, if I was given multiple options, I would really struggle and have a hard time choosing between the two, like even something, you know, as simple as choosing between produce. I found just as I put myself through, you know, challenging situations where I was uncomfortable and started to learn that I could trust myself. Decision-making became a lot easier for me. So as I got in these positions where maybe I had a boss who, um, you know, wasn't providing me the expertise I needed, or I was working somewhere, which was fine, but maybe wasn't, for my highest potential, I think I just started to, like you said, learn to trust my intuition and make those calls when I had to, it wasn't necessarily comfortable. It doesn't mean those conversations were easy, but I just, uh, started to trust that intuition a little bit more with time. Yeah. I think honestly, that's the key is the time. I, I fully agree with you. I think that it is, um, it's not something that's easy at first. And there's a reason for that. It's not easy because your life is not going to be easy and you're not going to reach success going like an easy route. Like it takes the grit. It takes like the hard Mm -hmm. tasks. Like there's this book uh, called the road less traveled by Scott and Peck. It's so good. We should put it in the show notes and both of our show notes, but Um, it changed my life. Like I've read it several times during my life. And the first line in the book is life is hard. And what, what, tell us, what else do you learn in the book? Um, it's, well, it's actually about like family and marriage and relationships and Uh it's a, um, clinical psychologist. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say diary, but like, it's like, like a, his, like it's, it goes into detail about him and like 10 different like client cases he's had over his career, like in detail. And there's no like names are changed and stuff, but it's, it's fascinating. Like just the, the amount of what I learned from that book and what I continue to learn, like I'll revisit it every once in a while and see things a little Uh bit differently. But um, yeah, I think, you know, the main, the main message in the book is you know, it's not going to be easy to get to those high, especially those higher places. Those, the, when you see someone who's ultra, like, this is a good example. When you see someone who's yes. super ultra successful, like you think about major, like think about big, like CEOs of like 
big, big, big corporate companies or um, people who started big companies from the ground up and they're still the CEO. Like these are the people that if you look at them, they all have sort of the same habits, like daily habits. Like they all get up very early. They all exercise every day, you know, like they make their health and their well-being a priority. Um, but all of that stuff, as we know, th- those aren't easy things like getting up at 5 30 AM every day. That's not an easy thing. Going to the gym at 6 AM every day. That's not an easy thing. It gets easier as you acclimate the momentum, Mm -hmm. the momentum, as you understand the value it brings to your life. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure it would be the same advice if somebody were starting a virtual consultation business, starting or opening a spa. I mean, I'm sure you look back and those times were not easy and your life is not easy now, but you do get to enjoy the benefits now that you've paved that path and put in the work. What I always say is the benefits change. (laughs) So you have to be really, you have to be really comfortable with change. Like if you want to go through big spurts of growth, because like I said, my days look different than they did two years ago, but am I working any less? No, I'm working probably a little more, but I'm doing things that like, I really love to do. And I feel like I thrive in and I can work when I want now because I put the grit in, you know, like it's not, it's not Mm -hmm. so much about like less work. I don't (laughs) think maybe maybe later, maybe that's another thing I'll experience in my life, hopefully later. But I mean, for me now, what I can say is that it just, it's always changing and it's always like evolving, quote unquote, mm-hmm. not to be cheesy, mm-hmm. but it is, it's like evolving, like your, your passions evolve, what you like to do changes and just being able to really listen, like tap into, to what you enjoy doing and just try as hard as you can to do those yeah. things and then like hire out for every single other thing, <laughs> like stay totally. Yeah. I feel like we, yeah, we hear the message like dare to be different so often, but I just, I can't say it enough. There's really something special that does come of figuring things out for yourself. And it's, it's difficult because there are so many resources. There is abundant people you can reach out to these days. And I think those things are good. Like yes. those, those conversations are good, but I would not let waiting for an answer or getting this like subconscious approval you get from connecting to somebody who's done it before stand in your way. Like I, that's what I kind of just want to be my resounding message. Like if there is something you want to do, if you cannot stop thinking about it, commit to it, see it through, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be times you question if it's worth it. I want to add to that. You're going to lose people. You're going to lose friends. You'll probably lose colleagues. You're going to lose yes people maybe that you thought were going to be in your life forever. Like, I, I mean, I can't even stress that enough. Like you just have to keep so, uh, firmly rooted in your vision and know that every time someone leaves there, you're making room for someone that's going to be in alignment with you a little bit better. I think we share a brain <laughs> sometimes. I was just having this conversation actually with Danielle yesterday. Oh, I can't wait to, I can't wait to listen to that episode. Oh, she's <laughs> such a gem. 
it's it's what Ashley's saying is so true to this day. The the people I consider my closest friends, relatives, parents, they still haven't bought my cleansers, you guys. They haven't signed up to be my client. I hope they're listening and they feel so bad. Right don't now. feel bad, anyone listening. It's um, I don't take those things personally anymore. And like when I started my YouTube channel, there were people who didn't understand why I couldn't hang out on the weekends. I really put three years into building that channel. And now it's benefited me where I have, you know, people who find me from my social media because I laid that groundwork. But what you don't see is like three years. I didn't really like go out with my friends. My life really was changed because I was making videos on the weekend. Yeah. That's just what it is. It's just what it is. And like, you have to love it, right? Like you have to love making the videos or doing the thing that you want to do more than you love going out and getting drunk and like, you know, partying and maybe spending money you don't have. Like, and I'm not speaking like I'm a saint or anything because I've had so many periods in my life. Like my whole twenties living in San Francisco, I was doing all of that. And you know, (laughs) probably around the corner from you. (laughs) Tessa and I, we always talk about how like we didn't know each other somehow, some way, and now we know each other, we live in different cities. (laughs) No, but I think you just have to love what you're doing. That's the thing you have to, and you get to the point too, where you're so focused that you're just like, you know, you're not, you don't want to go out. You don't want to do anything that's really going to sabotage what you're working so hard for. I feel like I've like talked myself up a lot and like talked on my whatever accomplishments, you know, things that are my business now, but I, I was kind of a mess in my twenties and it's same, same. It's, I mean, I like to bring that up just because like, I don't want, I'm sure if somebody looks at me, they might have assumptions about like who I am. I think I come across very poised or that's what I've been told, like polished, but yeah, I I went through a, a lot of struggles and, and really struggled to find out who I was and to find that one thing. I think I was always looking for my so-called passion. I had so many jobs. I felt like I was not enough in all of them. And I'm so glad it, it led me to try that like one last thing that really, really clicked. But I just, I hope you guys hear that, like looking at Ashley, or if you're looking at me and comparing and feeling like you're not totally where you want to be, uh, just know like your life can actually change on a dime. It can change really quick. And um, from there, you do have to have the grit and and the fortitude to see it through. But yeah, this, I mean, I, I found aesthetics later in life. I was almost 30 years old, but you know, it's, it's never too late. So it's never too late. And you, if you have the grit mentality, if you, if you just go into it, knowing that it's probably going to be a lot of work at some point, I think that makes it easier. Like I think Mm -hmm. you're setting yourself up for that expectation. And then when the easy comes time, you're almost like, wait, is this this real, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, now, like, I can't believe I get to wake up and I, I really do love what I do. It doesn't mean it's not work, but it's so, I think, is it Danielle that says this, choose your hard? Yes. 
it's totally that just, I cannot compare the feeling of, you know, going into an office every day, working for somebody else, reporting to somebody else, trying to pitch my ideas, you know, they don't work. I don't feel uh, fulfilled versus doing my own thing. Yeah. There are hard things that come up. It's not perfect. This is a tricky industry, but I'm so grateful that at the end of the day, I have autonomy in what I do. Yes. I think that's so important. And I love what Danielle says. I love the choose your heart. If you guys don't follow Danielle Stead, it's Danielle.stead. Shout out to Danielle. (laughs) Shout out Danielle. We love you. Uh, but she says, you know, choose your heart. So it's like, you can be out of shape and not be able to play with your kids or, you know, have all these health issues later, or you can go to the gym, you know, every day or whatever, like, or you can be overweight or you can go to the gym. You know what I mean? Like, it's like those types of like, either one is going to be hard for you. Like, going to the gym is going to be hard and being overweight is going to be hard. So you like, you have that, that choice, like that is your choice. You can try so hard to copy someone else's blueprint to the T and you're not going to get the same outcome. So you're choosing a hard that really isn't going to be fulfilling in the long run, or you can choose to pave your own way. And then at some point it absolutely, I guarantee you, it will be fulfilling. Yeah. It just, it just clicks. So Ash, okay. This idea of copying, I feel like it kind of comes up in our industry a lot. Well, we hear, I feel like we hear about it because, you know, in the messages, I feel like, you know, everyone's a part of like private chat message groups and stuff. And I feel like in all of these groups, everyone complains about the copying. Like it doesn't matter how big or small your account is it is like a common theme to be very upset about the copying. And I understand why. Yeah. I feel like you have a very healthy attitude about it. Do you want to share? Yes. Okay. So my attitude is that you don't see like big luxury brands paying any mind to, or going after people who copy them and make money off of copying them. Like think about Louis Vuitton and Gucci. Like you don't see them going after those like little sweatshops that are like making the, like the like dupes, like they're not going after them because they're too big. Like they have too they're much Louis Vuitton. On. Yeah. They're li- they're Louis freaking Vuitton. Like, they're, <laughs> not, they're not, they don't have the time. They're not putting their energy, their yeah. resources, their money. They're not putting any of that toward that because their main focus is growth and getting better every year and putting out their spring collection and, you know, mm-hmm. sustaining their brand and sustaining it in a way that is ethical. I feel like, I mean, I, I feel like there's just so too many murky waters when it comes to copying, because I mean, as Josh says, a co-host of goods can circle, it's like, you know, everyone is copying it. Like everyone is a version. Everyone's doing something. That's a version of something else at this point. Like nobody's reinventing the wheel. Like we're all kind of copying and someone's always inspired by someone else. Um, so I just like to try to really stay in that mindset of it really makes me feel influential. Like it makes me feel I've inspired someone. If they copy me, I don't care. Like the only thing I care about is if you're doing it your own way, put your own spin on it. If you're not going to do that, at least put credit. Like, I don't know for (laughs) me, like that's, that's all I care about. And I'm still probably not going to come after you if you don't give me credit. So, (laughs) so, so have at it. <laughs> like if you want to. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it is, it's human to feel a little like miffed or like, I don't know, like, yes, that was my idea. I put, I put time into it. I had an original thought and you get protective of that. So I get that too. I think what we're saying is it's just not worth your energy. It's not worth stewing on it. No, you know, so I kind of, I do the same. I try to let it roll off and yeah, if that happens, you know what, it just means you have influence. And isn't that the goal that we're all striving for? You've influenced and even going deeper than that, what I'm doing now right now. And actually like I've talked to my therapist about this. It's like having compassion for those people, Mm. even deeper empathy, compassion, because that even goes a little further because I've had a really tough time with this in particular, um, growing my account. And in the beginning, it was really bothersome to me. Like when I would hear my ideas being ripped off or when, you know, people were copying things that I were doing or my language, like to the T, I mean, it was very, it really did bother me. It upset me, Mm -hmm. but I had to, I really took accountability for that. And I really looked within. Um, and now, like I said, I'm working with my therapist about it, but just trying to have deeper empathy and compassion. Like I'm trying to look at it now at a point of view where if someone can make money because of something that I created, like that makes me happy. Like I'm trying to find fulfillment in it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. But I know it's still so annoying. (laughs) It, it still gets, yeah. It like almost feels invasive in a sense. It just, yeah, you, yeah. It feels like somebody's taking what's yours, but yeah, but no one can truly really take what's yours. And that's, no, that's another thing, you know, with the, with the grit, with paving your own way, like you're paving a way for you and you're at some point going to be asked to teach that as well. And you're probably going to reach this point that we're at now where you're like, I can teach you, I can give you all the tools, but what you do with this information, like this is yours, you know, like this is like you creating your own thing is what's going to make you successful, not doing exactly what I did. Right. Okay. I know we've, we've talked about this hard conversation, which is, it is kind of hard to talk about. And I've worried about how do you say it? without coming across unlikable, but I feel like it is an important conversation we should be having in our industry. So I think we've kind of identified there is a more old school way within aesthetics that feels more protective scarcity mindset. Yes. Versus. Yeah. Okay. Gatekeeping is the word. I think we should, I want to circle back to that. Versus how things are now, it almost feels like, so, okay, you are a gatekeeper. If you're keeping some information to yourself, everything is kind of out in the open on social media. It almost feels like a race, like who can tell more, who can pull down the curtain more in a sense, (laughs) which is so wild. (laughs) I know. I know it. I mean, the industry has changed a lot. Even I've only been an esthetician for almost five years, but even when I started, I felt like something like the brands that estheticians share that they work in work with, that was almost like proprietary information, like kind of kept on the low things have changed now where it's like, okay, we have this platform. We want to talk about what we're using. We want to share, you know, these parts of our business, 
Ash, do you think there's like a healthy level of not sharing everything? And as a business owner, where do you feel protective of information? Um, I, I think for me, I say, share what you want. Don't share anything you don't want to share. Like you, you have to be able to know for yourself and discern for yourself. For me, there are things, of course, like anything that I'm training, coaching, any, any very specific questions about, you know, the ways that I do things. Um, I always kind of just refer, you know, I I've put, I've put things in place now. I have, um, you know, I have things that I can refer people to now. And this is what I was telling a friend of mine yesterday is like, if someone's asking you a very invasive question and you have sort of a general answer in a post or something that you've done or a podcast or a YouTube video or some kind of creation that you've done, you can refer people to that post. Uh, what for me, what it comes down to is how long is it going to take me to answer this question thoroughly in an Mm -hmm. ethical way? Um, Mm -hmm. and how much value am I actually going to be giving to them by just like giving them the answers that they're looking for? So Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of value in, if someone's asking you an invasive question to just tell them, instead of giving them the answer, tell them how you got your answer because they might get another answer. So giving, um, resources to people giving here's, here's how I found it. Here's what I like, like about it here. You know what I mean? I think that's a better way to connect with the community, um, Mm -hmm. rather than just, you know, shutting off or not responding. And I'm guilty of that. I mean, my DMS get really flooded. And so I don't have time to answer all of them anymore. I wish that I did. Um, and so I really, the only ones that I really respond to are ones that I feel like it can be of value. If someone, first of all, if someone's rude to me or if someone doesn't say hi to me first and they're mm-hmm. just asking mm-hmm. a blank, blatant question that <laughs> feels really invasive, I'm probably not going to answer that one. But if you open with, hi, I like, I love your podcast or something like, you know, if you're like, if you, yeah. if you're trying Are to a genuine person with me, yeah. Um, <laughs> have you, manners. Yes. <laughs> then I'm more likely to respond. And like, I'm not really a big typer even anymore. So you'll probably get a voice note back from me if I don't know you. Um, and I'm probably just going to tell you about my one-on-one coaching. If you're asking a lot of business questions, cause I do offer that. So, yeah. So, and that was my next question for you as an influencer. I feel like the question of responding or not? Like, is that even okay? Can we normalize that? I just, I like see this, this theme on social media all the time of people saying like, can't respond to DMs. I'll get back to you when I can, like, I'll be answering all of the messages later. It almost has this tone of like a chore or it's something you have to do. What do you, what do you feel? Well, I think it's tricky because I think, yeah, I think at some, at some level, there is a responsibility as a creator, as an influencer to be engaged with your community. Um, but that being said, I think you get to pick who your community is and I think you get to, and it Mm. is 1 million percent. Okay. If you do not want to respond to someone, 
they do not, they're not entitled to your response. We do need to normalize just because you're asking someone doesn't mean they have to respond. I mean, like I said, there's a way to do it. If someone on the street came up to me and be like, like, and was super <laughs> rude to me, didn't say hi. Like, yeah. you just have to think about it. Like, I just think about it in terms of like, do I really want to connect with this person? Is this someone I want to connect with? That's what I ask myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, find myself kind of struggling with like guilt often of, yeah, maybe it's a question I don't feel comfortable answering. Maybe it feels invasive. Maybe there just was like a general lack of manners. (laughs) And I almost feel like people don't see me as a a person in situations. That's it's more just like they see you as a resource. Yes. Like like an encyclopedia. (laughs) Yes. That's what I was going to say. An encyclopedia who just has all the answers, you know, it's just a matter of like opening that encyclopedia and like getting what you need. It's, it's like that thing of give, give, like if you send me a DM and it's like, send me the link, (laughs) like you could probably actually find the link somewhere in my, like we've, I feel like you're very good at this test. Like you link everything you're, you know, everything is like, okay, here's what I'm using. Here's the link for it. Like that's a lot of effort to do all of that. Um, I try to put everything in my bio link in my like little, you know, that like the link, the it like the link sees thing, like in the bio mm-hmm. where they have that resource. And I feel like that's an easy way to do it. Um, I think that too is another, like I said, you can always just refer people back to a post that you did or a highlight or something. Um, you can mm-hmm. send them a post and say, I really talk about this in depth here. I hope this helps. You know, it doesn't have to mm-hmm. be like a black or white. I'm never going to respond to you, but it also doesn't have to be taking time out of your day to answer question that you've already answered in your, like in your social media somewhere, you know? Yeah. And I think just in general, we're all so accessible now. I don't know if it's the healthiest thing. Like I do find it as somebody who's prone to anxiety, it's, it's not always the healthiest thing for me. And I think we're so used to that constant, just, I mean, being able to reach out to anyone, but I don't think we realize like psychologically what the impact of like every single message, text message, DM, the toll that it kind of takes on your psyche. Well, I think it's the pressure. I think it's Uh the pressure of giving them the wrong answer. Like we're not perfect people. Right. And so I feel like it's the pressure of giving someone the right answer, the correct information or something that is going to add value for them, like true value. It's going to really help them. And sometimes we just don't have the answer or sometimes we think that what worked for us might not work for you. And I feel like that, that has to be okay. Like that Mm -hmm. has to be normalized. That has to be because the bigger your account gets and you'll feel this too, once your account starts getting bigger, it's like you're, and not you test, but I'm just speaking in general to everyone listening. If you don't have a big account and you're growing your account, you'll start to understand it better, but it's like, you can't, you 
you literally don't have the answers for everyone and you can't keep trying. It's people pleasing. It's a form of mm-hmm. people pleasing, totally. it's, you know, and it's not healthy. It's not good for our mental health. And when you stop, you realize, oh, I have so much more energy now to give back to the community that I am involved in, that I am, you know, being feeling supported, seen, loved, heard, cherished. Like this is all the things that we expect in our, in our everyday real life relationships, right? Like you wouldn't continue giving. <laughs> giving, giving, giving to anyone that was not, it wasn't reciprocal, right? Totally. Yeah. I I didn't get back to somebody the other day. And then the next day it was like, sorry to, to prod, like, what's the answer for this? And it's just like, would that be a thing in real life? Like, (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes I just think we kind of lose feel and yeah, it's just an interesting conversation. I think, to have. And especially because a lot of us listening are estheticians who are already over nurturing and, and, you know, pouring a lot of energy into the people around us. Mm -hmm. It can be hard to kind of draw those boundaries, especially on social media. Yes. I think my resounding message for this particular topic is that boundaries are not gates. Boundaries doesn't mean you're gatekeeping. It means that you Mm -hmm. have a healthy sense of self-respect of knowing what kind of value you bring to the table. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to think the opposite and I feel like boundaries have almost become like a popular freight. Like they're, they're very embraced now, but yeah, I did not. (laughs) Thank God. I, that was a hard thing for me to learn. And it did take therapy to help me understand, like not overextending yourself. Like that's not doing a disservice to somebody else. It's just saying I have to be okay first. And that's kind of how my, what my approach is to social media now and especially DMs, if I have not taken care of myself that day, if I'm lacking, I may not get to the message that day because I've just, I've kind of learned to, if I'm drained, if I'm exhausted and I'm just trying to answer everything for the sake of answering, I may not come across as like, I really think I should. And if I'm in the best possible place, that's exactly right. I, I feel like that is what you just said. I mean, it is you, going back to self-care. You cannot pour from an empty cup. It sounds cliche. It's absolutely true. It's yeah. why we talk about not taking more than three or four clients a day. If you're doing hour and a half facials, it's why you don't burn yourself to the ground and let grit overtake your life. That is why it's because you have to have those healthy boundaries mm-hmm. But then still also knowing, you know, that you do have a responsibility. Um, And I guess that can be part of the message too, is we do really try you and I both do. I know that we do. Um, We have the same views on this. We do try to help when we can. Mm -hmm. And you have to just really sit in that knowing of, I know that I'm providing so much value, so much free education to so many people, and then letting the rest of that guilt just kind Mm -hmm. of fall by the wayside because you're not going to be everything for everyone and they'll find their people, you know, or, or they'll learn a different way to communicate. Right. Yeah. Or, or maybe they'll figure out the answer for themselves. Like, you know, I took, I took a lot of classes on how to make products and 
they were helpful, but ultimately it was the work I did on my own that helped me to create one. What has the whole process been like? Like, are you, so when you were like looking for labs, like, was it, how long did that process take you? It took me a year and some change of trying formulas and it, it was messy. It was heartbreaking at times. It was frustrating. You know, I felt like I wasn't finding exactly what I wanted for, for a long time. But then when I did, it made it that much sweeter. I could have, I could have used something that, you know, I had heard about in classes, but yeah, ultimately I had to try things for myself. And that's, that's, I think what resonates with the product. You can tell I genuinely love it and I'm, I'm proud of it. And it comes from an authentic place. And I I kind of feel like figuring it out for myself was, was what I needed to do. It wasn't the easiest route. And unfortunately, when people are trying to come to me for advice, they want to avoid those pitfalls, of course. Yes, I hear you. And I, you know, and I, and just playing devil's advocate, it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to, I want to know what lab you have. And for me, like, if I were to hear that, I would say, well, Mm -hmm. what I created is not what you like, you don't want to create what someone's already created. You want to find the white space, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, so that's what I would encourage you. You want to find something. And if you're creating a product, you want to think about what is needed in your business. Like what are those white spaces for you? It's not that a gentle cleanser doesn't exist out there, but it's, it's the one that was perfect for me. And there are, um, there are qualities about my cleansers I felt didn't exist. And it was the concept of creating a double cleanse system that didn't necessarily exist. And I felt like that was something that should exist, that there should be a system for that. So recognizing that need and looking at my clients and looking at, you know, what was something we didn't have? What was the struggle I was having in my business and what was an area I could make that more seamless? Yeah, I think beautifully said, I think it's just, that is what we should all be striving for is, you know, filling the gaps and less of copying less of trying to take the road more traveled and just going down, you know, your own, your own journey, because you're going to, you're going to end up somewhere beautiful and you Mm -hmm. probably won't end up there if you try so hard to keep going down the same paths that have already, and you, and you can do it, but do it in your own way. You know, like if someone's giving you a blueprint or if you you're buying a blueprint course, like that's great. You're still going to have to do the work. Unfortunately, that is the hard pill to swallow because I mean, I think it's one of the reasons like, you know, courses are popular. You, you would pay a little bit to have somebody like take away the discomfort and make it, make it easier. And, and courses is, are still valuable. Yes. Like, and they're still valuable. It, like, I think, you know, it does give you shortcuts. It gives you, it gives you information that you would not be mm-hmm. privy to unless you've been through the same experiences. And that's what makes it great because you might end up in a situation on your gritty path where you're like, should I do this or should I do this? And then you'll think back to the course where you're like, oh, well, you know, I I've heard this advice. I've kind of seen both parts play out, or I've seen, I've heard how it could go. You know what I mean? And it gives you that, just that little bit of extra awareness, that edge. Right. So it, that's why I think courses are valuable. 
Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They're so valuable. None of them are going to do the work for you. Right. That's the message today. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. I have loved talking to you. I always do. I felt like this especially was so great. I, we both have been wanting to talk about all the things we said today. So I felt like today was so candid. I hope that people really appreciate it. Yeah, I hope, I hope so too. Thank you guys for listening. I know this was a little bit of like event such a little bit all over the place, but I, these have been things that have been on my mind. So to pick your brain, Ashley, has been uh, really invaluable. And if, if I'm feeling this way as a smaller account, I'm sure, you know, there are other people and other businesses who, who can relate to. We all feel this. I mean, I, I felt this way so many times in my career. Like I said, like, it's just, it's a learning process and understanding that the work is there. Like you have to do the work. It's not, the work is never going to not be there. Um, it's going to change over the course of your career, depending on what path you take, but you're never going to get to a place where you're like, all right, I'm done. Unless you, you know, make tons of money and you decide to be done, you know, (laughs) which, you know, I hope, I hope everyone Yes. Can do that one day if that's if that's what you want to do. But yeah, and you know, at the end of the day, there are answers within you yourself. So I I hope everyone is encouraged to trust themselves. You know, I think our message is not don't copy anyone, it's listen to your own intuitions, take inventory of your own gifts. Don't be afraid to tap into those things. Mm-hmm. Everyone has special things about them that, you know, make them unique and sparkly. And if you don't, if you don't know what those things are, ask your friends, start building community, you know, like community for me has been invaluable to get to where I am now. And people like you, Tess, people in our group, it's like these relationships are really the ones that propel me forward. So do not be afraid to connect with other people in your vicinity and your same kind of Mm -hmm. niche market, whatever you're doing in your career and lean on them, like really lean in to these conversations with them in private, like get candid, Mm -hmm. you know, talk Mm -hmm. to each other about ways that you can grow um, I feel like that's also something that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. I'm so glad I, I know you as a person and, and I'm so glad <laughs> we did like develop this friendship and, you know, it came from being a little uncomfortable. And I'm glad for your out. relationship advice. Tess gave me relationship <laughs> advice this weekend. You guys, <laughs> she's like voice noting me. I'm like, how did I get a best girlfriend out of this? <laughs> I know it comes from getting a little bit uncomfortable and yes. uncomfy, I love you mean? Yes, uncomfy. <laughs> getting a little uncomfy. Yes, <laughs> it is key. Key you to need, life. You need like a sweatshirt that says uncomfy on it. Oh my God. Yes. You need brand uncomfy. Yeah. I didn't even think that was like something unique that I said, but I love that you picked up on that about me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for joining today. Thanks so much guys for listening. Thank you, Ashley, for being my little co-host today. Thank you. And we'll put each other's information in the show notes. This is going to go on the good skin circle podcast and on the treatment room podcast. So we'll, we'll go back and listen and, uh, put anything that we mentioned in the show notes for you guys. 